It is amazing how quickly something seems obsolete when um, something better comes along and replaces it. And yet there are some people who will, who, who will cling to an old, inferior way long after the new way has come. And that is really, really true when it comes to human beings like you and me and how we pursue and seek and connect some kind of contact with the one who made us, the God of the universe. Um, we're going to see a lot about that today, comparing an old way with a new way. In We've been working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. 2 Corinthians, we're in chapter 3. And as you do that, let me. can I just preface what we're about to look at by saying something that if you've been around here, you probably know this is true. But if you haven't, we still want you to know that it's true. And it has to do with what... Why we're here, why, why we do what we do. To be honest, why I, why I do what I do. Why we gather like this, what, what this, you know, we're not, just, we're not just here because somebody said, oh, you know, a church belongs in that space or we don't have enough of them around here. There is something that's true about the heart of, of this particular church and, and what we seek. And that is that we, from the very get-go, we said, look, we are here because we want honest, authentic, real life. I want to know, but I believe that there is a God. I believe that He made us. I believe He made us for a relationship with Him. And I want to know, okay, what is the way to have the most personal, direct connection? Look, I've, I've lived long enough without Him in my life. I've lived, tried it enough on my own we, I want to know, okay, how do I get the most of God? How do I get him in my life? What does it mean to know him and follow him? And that's what we're about here. We're not about putting on shows. We're not about trying to learn a whole bunch of facts to impress people. We're here because what we really want is we want God. That's what I want. I want God. I want to see him for who he is. I want, I want it to be genuine and real. I don't want gimmicks about God. I don't want bells and whistles. I just want God. If you can understand that that's sincerely at the heart of what we're about, and I believe it's sincerely at the heart of what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he writes to a church in Corinth, it can help us understand a little bit of framing for what we're about to take a look at. Because when Paul wrote to this group, he's going to talk about two kind of competing ways of accomplishing that goal. Two ways that claim that they want to uh, to know God and, and and, and there's some phrases that are going to get used. It's about the glory of God. And we just sang about the glory of God. You, you prayed it, whether you recognize it, you prayed it or not. You asked God to show you his glory. You're going to see that's a kind of a frightening thing to pray. You ask him to show. And by glory, what the Bible means, that phrase gets used about there was an accompanying power to it. But it, it's the direct contact, personal contact and presence of the most high God, which is shrouded in glory and it has power to it and it has impact to it it's his it's his involvement in life so you got two competing ways packages for saying oh you want that paul was criticized for his way of doing it and said no no there's a better way to do this so when we when we're in second corinthians 3 he's going to address some of that and some of that's called what, what are known as the judaizers in his day People who believed, look, there's a good system in place. The system has been there all along. It's the Mosaic Law. It's a powerful system. It's worked for years. 
as the package. So they're going to present what we might call the Moses package. This is the way, this is the best way to get the glory of God. And it's going to involve the Old Testament law. It's going to involve heroes of the faith. It's going to involve stories of displays of the power of God. And it's going to be presented, and it has been presented to these people as this is the way God still is is best approached. This is how you access the glory of God in your life. These people said, compare that with this guy, Paul, who comes in here. He can't put two sentences together in a row without it confusing people. He's weak. He can't make up his mind about where he's traveling. He doesn't have any credentials. And he's got a way that, that is completely inferior to what we've known for centuries, the Moses package. Paul is going to present the Christ package. Now, step, hang on for a second, because if you hear that, you go, oh, well, you know, Christ is better than Moses. We all know that, right? Would you suspend that thought for a minute and think about how these people are going to hear it? Because it's going to have an impact on how we live today, too. Those two are going to be contrasted, the weak and unimpressive package that Paul presented with, this, with the Moses package. Now, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 3, but in order to do this, we've got, we got to step back into history. All right? So in 2 Corinthians 3, I'm going to three, start, start with verse 6, says, He, God, has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. So he's going to contrast the new one with the old one. Not of the letter, he's talking about the Old Testament law, but of the Spirit, for the letter has the effect of killing but the Spirit gives life. Now he's, he's going to say a little bit more about it in verse 7 and on. He, we'll just take a look at it quickly. He says, now if the ministry that brought death, that's what he's referring to as the Moses package, which was engraved in letters on stone, Ten Commandments on stone. If that came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit, here's the contrast, the Christ package, be even more glorious He's going to continue to say more. We'll come back to it in a minute. Now, here's the thing. You can't fully understand what he's saying here without understanding Exodus chapters 32 through 34. And I'm not going to take the time to to teach all the way through Exodus today, but I am going to make make a couple comments from Exodus 32 to 34. You can follow along if you want, but just um, you can turn there. But I'm just going to make reference to some of you know this story, and it has to do with this whole thing about the veiled glory of God on Moses' face. Now, real briefly, here's what was going on in that time. God said, I have chosen to put a covenant on a nation of people. I'm going to treat it like it's one person. The nation of Israel is my chosen vehicle through whom I'm going to show my glory and I'm going to bring my redemption to the world. When he speaks to them, he speaks to them kind of like they're one person. And he says, here's my covenant with you. I'm going to show you my glory, but you've got to be be a pure receptor of it. So he gives the law to Moses, takes him up to Mount Sinai gives them the Ten Commandments and he tells them what the law is, the way to keep themselves pure, which God knows already is going to expose something in these people. It's going to expose that they're incapable of following through. And when he does that, by the time he gets down off the mountain, they've already, they've already broken it. Golden calf made of their earrings. They're worshiping an idol. They've already, they've already proven that they, they, have, uh, they can't keep it. And God has a word for the people. And this word is how he used to describe them. It's also, by the way, how he used to describe you and me when we're born. The newest born baby has this, this statement made of them. God says they are stiff-necked. Well, that's not real becoming, is it? What do you think of my new baby? Wow, that's a stiff-necked baby. Stiff-necked, mean, meaning defiant and proud. In, in Exodus 32, verse... Uh, Nine, he uses the phrase, he says, uh, verse eight says they've been, 
They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They bowed down to it and sacrificed. And then he says, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. He repeats that same phrase multiple times. And as a result of that, he says in the, in the verses that follow, you know what, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start over. Moses, you step aside. I'm going to destroy these people. We'll start with you and we'll create a new nation. And it's a fascinating, I really would encourage you to read those chapters, 32 to 34 of Exodus. Because Moses has a little discussion with God and says, if you do that, you'll be a laughingstock among the nations. If you do that, think of your covenant. Think of your reputation. Well, you know that that's not what you're like. He begs God, would you spare these people? And God says, all right. But obviously, in order to not start over, God's going to have, there's some things that are going to change as a result of the fact that these people have corrupted themselves. And here's a big resulting effect of that. It has to do with the glory of God. The glory of God has been leading these people. It's been meeting with them. It's been in the camp with them. Pillar of fire, pillar of cloud leading them. You might have heard stories about that. It's all in the book of Exodus. And God says, here's something that's true about my glory, my absolute presence. When it's unblocked from people, it cannot coexist with anything impure. It will absorb it. It will destroy it. It is the nature of the overpowering holiness of God. It can't coexist with evil. So it can't coexist unblocked in in the midst of these people. God says, all right, I will work with these people. But looking at them as one identity, here's the deal. You can't have, I can't be with them in the middle of the conquest that's going to come when you go into the promised land. He says, and again, you look at it, he says, I, I can't go with you because I would consume you. They can't have direct exposure to me anymore because of the counter effect it'll have. Now, you've heard of nitrates, right? Nitrates, nitroglycerin comes from nitrates, a polyatomic ion is a nitrate. Has, it's used in dynamite. It's used in explosives. It has a powerful effect on people. It's also used in medicine. It's used for people who have heart attacks. They give them a, a nitroglycerin kind of mix in their drip. And so it has a positive effect if it's done on a, the receptor is right. But it cannot be mixed with certain kinds of other things. If it does, it will be deadly. One of those things is the ingredient in Viagra. That's why you hear if you see ads... Don't take this if you take nitrates for heart. Jack Nicholson did a movie a few years ago where he played an older man. He has a heart attack. He goes in the hospital, and they're asking him, have you taken Viagra today? And he looks, and he sees the people who brought him standing in the doorway, and he looks over, and he goes, no, no, no Viagra. And the doctor says, well, that's good. Because I've got, in the drip, I've got nitroglycerin. And if you had taken Viagra today, it could be deadly to you. Nicholson looks over and suddenly snatches the IV out of his arm and pulls the thing over. Because, okay, is that a bad analogy? Here's another one. The sun does you favors, doesn't it? The sun allows you to live. The sun is a good friend of ours. The sun's effects are positive, but if you go to an, watch an eclipse, they tell you all the time, do not look directly into the sun. You need some kind of a screen. You need some kind of a, something, an instrument to do it. If you look directly into the sun, the, retina, the effects on your retinas will cause blindness. Don't look directly into the sun. 
you have the right kind of receptor to these things, it, it has a positive effect. But if anything's wrong with it, if anything is, is not ready to be a receptor to it, it will destroy it. God says, this is how it works with this nation. They have violated the covenant. Sin has infected them, and therefore my presence, my glory, can't go with them. I want to lead you. I want you to be my people, but I can't go with you. And, and Moses turns around and God says, look, we're going to go into this land. If you won't go with us, we're not going. We've got to have a way for you to go with us. He sets up this thing called the tent of meeting. You'll read about it in those chapters. The tent of meeting outside the camp. Moses goes to meet with God. The glory of God comes down. People will stand in worship, but it's not in the camp. Moses meets with God in the tent of meeting. And God allows his glory to be around them, but it can't be exposed directly to them. So, God says to Moses, all right, we'll start over with this group of people. And it's the second giving of the law. He invites Moses to go back up onto the mountain and he inscribes another set of stone letters, the Ten Commandments. And the law is given to Moses again. And then it says something interesting about Moses and his exposure to the glory of God. I'm just going to read this to you. And this is where, by the way, Moses says, so... Okay, if you won't go with us into the battle, then at least would you let me represent your glory? So he, so he says to God, would, and you sang this, show me your glory. Would you do that? God says, I will show you my glory. And that's where God sets up the cleft of the rock thing, where he puts, Moses says, my presence is going to pass by. After it passes by, you can look at my back. I will cover up. I will protect you. But you can get a glimpse of me. Now, Moses takes the second law and it says in chapter 34 of exodus uh, starting verse 29 when moses came down from mount sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands so it's the second time he's, he's already broken the first ones he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the lord when aaron and all the israelites saw moses his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him but moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given them on Mount Sinai. So they're nervous because they know the glory of God is so showing up on Moses. He's, he's been in the presence of God. They're scared that it's going to consume them. Moses says, come on, you're okay. It's not direct, it's indirect. And then Moses does something. Verse 33. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. And Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord again. Now that whole encounter about the glory of God is front and center to what Paul is saying to these people about their system, the Judaizers. So if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you have this veil that's been talked about. And remember, these people are saying, look, we got the Moses package for the glory of God. It works. It's good. We got partings of Red Seas. We got how he's taking care of the nation. That's the way to connect with God. And Paul is going to say, don't you know? I'm here to tell you a better way has been created. A superior way. Not only is my way not inferior to the Moses package, the Christ package makes the Moses package obsolete. So, you get to chapter 3, verse uh, uh, 7, and it says, he, thought, he describes this ministry. 
of the Moses package, and it brought death to people. It exposed the fact that they were corrupt. It exposed the fact that they were under judgment. It exposed the fact that they were needy. It brought death. And he says, now, but understand, he said, there was glory. The glory of God was involved in that package. There was some good around that. But if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, and if it came with glory, so that all the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? A greater dose. And you're going to see why in a minute. Now, he says the letter kills. The message, the message of the old package is separation from God. It's not good news. It, it gets you ready for good news. Paul's going to say in the book of Romans, it's a tutor to, to, to teach us, to get us ready for the true gift that God's got, which is full open exposure. But it's inferior. And then, he said, then, then this pastor says something that, that largely gets misinterpreted, largely gets misunderstood, because it talks about this fade, fading thing that's going on. Now look, look what it says. It says, uh, the, they couldn't look at steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, fading as it was. That's in verse 7. You see that? And then it goes on to say uh, that in verse 11, and if that w- w- what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? So he goes on to then describe in the verses that follow, which we'll get to in a little bit, we're not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was, see the word, fading away. Here's a picture people get. We hear that word, we go fading away. Oh, this is duplicitous of Moses. He gets the glory of God. It's kind of like a suntan. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it fades over time. And Moses is I'm probably embarrassed. Oh, I had the glory of God, now I got less of the glory of God. You know, when there's, I mean, when you, get, when you come back from spring break and no one else has got a tan and you got the tan, man, you are styling. You look good, but invariably, because you live in the Midwest where the sun don't shine, that thing fades. And then the worst thing is it starts to peel. And you get all the blotchy stuff. And when that happens, you kind of go, I don't want everybody looking at me right now. That's the picture we get. At least that's what I've always, I always thought when I first heard this passage. Oh, yeah, Moses got the glory and the glory fades. So he put a veil over his face to go, yeah, that glory, it's still in there. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's because it's fading. That word fading is a passive participle of word Katagumenen is the word. The word does not mean like a tan that's fading. It's a passive, meaning it's something is being done to it. It, The word means it's being rendered less uh, potent, rendered less effective. It's being suppressed. That's what is said about what's going on there. There's a limit to how this glory... Here's here's what it's saying. This glory of God is still involved with the people in this package. You can still get the glory of God. But it's indirect. You can't look directly at it. Moses goes and gets a, a glimpse of it. He comes back and then he has to veil his face. He veils his face because just like looking at the sun, if you get fully exposed as a sinner to this, this radiance, it will consume that which is impure. It will consume you. So it has to be restricted. It has to be held back. It has to be suppressed. It was rendered less effective. So it says, So even if that package is glorious, it's got glory in it, you're only getting an indirect effect of the glory. 
because what that glory is doing is evoking guilt in the in the people who are there every time they saw moses with a veil on his face it wasn't like wow cool we get the glory of god it's like whoa danger whoa we're guilty whoa we can't stand in front of the true glory keep that thing on moses keep it fading from us keep it temporary keep it away from us you're you're Look, you're driving down the street. You look in the rear mirror and a police car pulls out directly behind you. Right? You have one of a couple different ways of responding, don't you? Same police car, same circumstances, same everything. But you, you do what I do. The first thing you do is you take your foot off. It doesn't matter how fast you're going to take your foot off the accelerator. And you look down. And you're thinking, maybe. The Greek word is, oh, crap. Your reaction to the presence of the police is fully dependent on the state of your involvement with them at that moment or perhaps before. If you've got nothing that you've done wrong, if you've got no history, if, you have, if you're doing fine, you go, look, my friend, the police, so glad to see you out on this fine day. Thank you for going around me and keeping me safe with all those bad guys around there. But a whole lot of us, that's not our first reaction. The reaction to it is, <gasps> and then when the light comes on, you know what that feeling is like? And some of us have had the light come on, and then it goes around us, and you say, oh, thank you, God. And God says, don't thank me. You're guilty. Your time's coming. The effect of the glory of God under the veil for the people in the Moses package of connecting with God is fear. It's, uh, it's incompleteness. It is guilt because they're going through a whole sacrificial system that says, would you put off our punishment? Put it off a little bit more. Put it off a little bit more. Put it on, temporarily on these animals that are, are pure until sometime a solution comes that pays for my guilt permanently, once and for all, like the song we sang this morning says. That's the package that Paul says, you're telling me that's the best package. Really? I'm inferior to that package. He says, don't you understand that that's the ministry of death. The letter kills. But if the glory of God's involved there, how much more is the glory of God in this new package? The one that I've had the privilege of bringing to you. The superior one. It's a new covenant. It's a new ministry. Let's just keep reading. Here we go. So verse 8. Yeah, that's, that's a good place to start as any. Uh, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns man is glorious, has glory in it, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the, the surpassing glory. And if it was fading away, what was being restricted came with glory. How much greater is the glory of that which lasts? There's an old ministry, the Moses package, which was one of death. But the Christ package, he's going to juxtapose these two ways. It's, and he call, says this one's old. The glory is veiled. It, it condemns. It's temporary. It's based on law that is not attainable. The new covenant, that's why you have an old and new testament, by the way. The word means covenant. The new covenant, the new message is the glory of God gets unveiled. You get direct exposure to it. it and, and here's why. Because the contaminants 
that would destroy you if you're exposed to God's full presence get removed by the payment of Jesus Christ on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. You're presented as God as someone who does not have Viagra in their system. You get to look directly into the sun and it not burn your eyes. You get full, complete exposure unveiled to the glory of God. And when that happens over here, what used to kill people, this actually has an effect of the more you're exposed to it, the more it accomplishes in your life. The closer you get to him, the stronger you get, the more complete and full and whole you get. See, the old might look good, but then you got to look at the new and see how it compares. I've, this is, this is a, a smartphone. Uh, you have one of these. And as a smartphone has some capacities to it to do some amazing stuff. You can stay in one place and you can talk on the phone. You can video. You can take pictures. You can take movies. You can watch. You can watch movies. You, but now you can do stuff. You can get little apps and you can do all kinds of stuff. Some of you are doing it right now. Stop it. <laughs> you can check the ball scores. You can buy tickets. You can shop. You can do your banking. You can, there, there's apps for you to unlock the doors on your house. You can turn the lights on and off in your home. You can start your car all from this device. You can do it right there. There's apps, there, there, there's an app where you can, you can make yourself better looking. Not working. There we go. They're going to, Apple says they're going to come out with some new stuff this fall. I'm fully expecting. I, I'm waiting for the day where they have the teleportation app. <laughs> poof, poof, and I'm in Hawaii. This is the first cell phone our family ever got. Hey, this is the Teletac 250 by Motorola. You can do so much with this stuff, with this, because, first of all, you could make phone calls. And then you could call again when the phone call gets dropped. <laughs> and then you could hear somebody kind of after a two-second delay. But, but you know what? It comes with all kinds of features. For instance, it's got an antenna. <laughs> When we first got this, this was state of the art. We paid a lot of money for this. But I don't know too many people, including our family, who still prefers or wants this when you get this. Although I was, saw a guy working out the other day who stopped his workout so he could take out his cassette, turn it over, and hit play again. <laughs> When the new comes, it, just show, it shows how limited the old was. And that is just a minute diff, comparison to what, when, when the, the new package, Paul's package, the package of Christ came, what it does, it, gave, it allows... See, here, look, here's what it does, verse 14. Well, let's, I'm going to talk about 12 and 13 too. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at while the radiance was, was being held back, fading away, my 
translations. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been, it has not been removed because only, here we go, only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Christ is it taken away. Why? Because the impurities that would make it kill you are removed by one source and one source alone. A direct connection by faith with Jesus Christ who says, I will take your unrighteousness and I will take it from you and your standing with God and I will clothe you with mine. So that the radiation of God's full direct presence not only does not kill you, it heightens you from the inside out. It says, verse um, 16, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. You see that? You prayed it, and it's a good prayer. Show me your glory. You get it. You can, it, you can withstand it. It will have its effect if Jesus Christ has come in and, and changed the recipient. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. There's implications from this. First of all, Moses, Paul says it gives him boldness. He goes, hey, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about selling you an inferior product because this one is far, I, I'm bold. I can tell you this system, far superior. And that's, and that's pretty brash talk when you're taking on Moses. I mean, Moses is a hero of the faith, man. Moses is up there. He's, you know, his, he's on Mount Rushmore. And Paul says, yeah, you know what? Now that Christ has come, all that stuff, is that's just dust around his feet. And that makes us bold because we got the superior message and superior effect. And he says, and look, you un- need to understand that Christ is far superior to Moses. First of all, Moses is a man who God spoke with as a friend, but Christ is God. I believe our God is Jesus. He is far superior. Read Hebrew. You, I, I mentioned, read um, Exodus 32 to 34. Read Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. Read it slow. See the comparison that's made between Christ and Moses. Now, here's, here's, what, we, here's what I want to do. So that's a little bit of theology, a little bit of history. Are you still with me? Let's talk about how, where, where we live right now. Because Paul is going to talk about how this shows up and what, how important it is in life right now. And again, from, from verses 15 and 18, he's basically doing that. Even before that. He, he's, he's talking about how the veil is taken away and what it does. And here's one. Here's, here's just a quick thought about this. If you're like me, there are times when you think about how God has worked with people and you say, man, it would have been a lot easier, wouldn't it? If I could have lived in the day when God was like actually manifesting his glory in physical ways, wouldn't that have been cool? I mean, would we have, would we have arguments with atheists and agnostics about whether it's even real or not? If God would just, I mean, man, you know, what, how cool is that that the, you know, the power of God would just show up. It would part the Red Sea. It would hover over the place. You can't say, no, no, man, there he is. Don't tell me he doesn't exist. Look, there he is. That, I, it goes through my mind. Oh, that would be a lot easier. That would be a lot better. If you ever think that, here's the point of what Paul's saying. The Holy Spirit, who is invisible, manifests the power and the glory unbridled of God. And it is far better, far better to have a connection with God now through the unveiled way than the system that was presented before. The Spirit applies dosages of the, of the glory of God, and that dosage is, is far stronger, 
far superior because it's direct. It's unveiled. It's closer. But here's something that's true. Paul says it here. That whole veil thing, it still has a diminishing effect today and it's still used today. Verse 14. In the, their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. Now, this is not just Jews. This is people who have an idea that there's a system of getting what you need from God, getting enough of Him, and that, that system should be good enough. And there's this veil when that whole system is, is presented. A veil covers their hearts. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, he says that in verse 14, it has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. See, here's, here's how I want to say this. There are some of us to this day who insist on the veil still being there. We like the veil there. We want the veil there. We want a kind of a safe distance from God. We don't want full exposure to Him. What we want is to know He's there Know His glory is kind of accessible. Know that we can go out in the sun and it still warms us a little bit. We're good with that. But what we don't want is the direct impact of the sun on our souls. We don't want the direct... We don't want all the power and all the influence of God in our lives because we kind of like our self-positioning. We like saying, I'm okay leading my life. I'm okay, I want to be, I'm okay with God. I believe in God. I want Him there. I want, I want the minimum system requirements to make this thing work. Give me the lowest package that I can buy. Give me the one that, that lets me still be in control of my life. Because you know what? It goes awful extreme if I just pull everything back. There's veil is still there of saying that we, we want a kind of a safe distance from God. Because let's face it, there are a whole lot of us who if God showed up in all His glory and shined it into your heart and our lives right now, we would say, oh... You're exposing stuff I don't want to deal with. There are things I don't want to admit. There are things that I still want to be in control of. And God says, that's not how my glory works. It's not how my power works. It, it works through weakness. And so all it comes down to is the decision, do we want to see the veil removed or not? And I started this by saying, there's a reason we exist around here. There's something that's driven me from the beginning that sometimes I fully believe, sometimes I only partially believe. But it's still it's true, which is I want to see what it looks like to have my life be have full-blown, unbridled contact and influence from the God who made me. I want to know what that looks like in a real life. I want to know what it means to be a husband who lives with the presence and fullness of God on their life. I want to know what it means to be a dad who does that. I want to know what it means to be a friend and an American and a sports fan who has God's full influence guiding their life. I, want, I, I don't want partial or indirect radiation of the sun on my soul. I want to stand in it in its fullness. And here's, here's why that's true. Because when it happens, fearful as it might be, it has an effect. I mean, look, look at the last couple of verses of this. When a person turns to the Lord, it says, verse 17, the Lord is the Spirit where the Spirit of the Lord is. And there's freedom there. There's no fear anymore with God. There's a freedom to connect with Him fully. And it brings this continuing 
increasing transformation to who we were meant to be. That's what verse 18 says. So we, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. We get transformed by it. The longer you linger in the direct sun, the more effect it has. But this is one that brings, charges your battery. It brings wholeness to your soul. It brings new direction to your life. All of this hinges on the phrase that when a person turns to the Lord, when they turn to Christ, not to a system, not to religion, but directly to the provision and person of Jesus Christ who says, I purchased righteousness for you. If you will die to yourself and give me your life, I will give you my righteousness. Turning to the Lord means we, we stop hiding behind the veil and we turn first to him and say, okay, now I'm exposed. I need your cleansing. I need you to address what's in my life. And then once you do that, I want the full the full potency. I want the full package of what the God the Father will do when he radiates my life. There's some of us right here in the room. Who, if, look, I just shoot straight with you. You have, maybe have a little fear of God or maybe you're kind of content with where you are with him, but, but there's a veil. And maybe you like the veil, but that veil is still there blocking the full impact of God in your life. The way that is removed is first and foremost, it's you and Jesus. You turning to the Lord and saying, it's time to get this settled with you. I have to admit I cannot cleanse myself. I'm inviting your payment on the cross to cleanse me. If you have not done that, that's where it starts. And I would urge you and invite you and, and in the name of God, say this is where it starts. To say you can do it right now, right here, and you can turn to the Lord and say, it's time. Cleanse me from my sin. I place all my trust in you. I transfer it to you. And once that happens, then we have an ongoing choice to say, remove the veil and have a connection, open, full connection with God that says, come in and do whatever you want in my life. Show me your glory. Take me and transform me toward what you want to be by exposing me to who you are and your direction in my life. What, which package have you been purchasing? Which system do you, have you been living by? The invitation of Paul is to say, trade in the old one. The old one is limited. Take the new one and take where it'll go on an ongoing basis and know the true God face-to-face, direct in all His potency and all His glory. So, God says, because that veil is removed, I get, a, I get this opportunity. I can stand in front of the Most High God and I can speak directly to Him. I can present myself without fear. You'll see that in the upcoming passage. Here's what I want to ask you to do with me today. I want to ask you to take advantage of this invitation and this provision. And in a minute, I'm going to lead in prayer. Not because it's the last thing we do because we're done. But because it's an expression that says, we, ha- we have a moment now. We can present ourselves directly in the presence of God, in the glory of God, and we can say, here we are. Do with us what you want. I'm going to ask you, invite you in your heart to remove the veil by what you do with Christ and presenting yourself to God. Say to him, here I am. Take me where you want to go. Form yourself in me. Now, if you're ready to do that in your heart, great. If you're not, I'm just going to ask you to kind of just stand along with us while we do it. But would you? I'm just going to ask everybody in the room, would you just stand with me
And if you would join me consciously thinking about this, I, pr- I invite you to turn your face upward toward the sky in a symbol of openness to his expression. And maybe there's something right now. Would you just close your eyes, but present yourself. And maybe there's something that has, you've been hiding behind. Maybe there's, maybe there's even a, a clinging to some sin that you would say, I have not addressed this, but it's in the way right now. Maybe there's something that you have not been fully been willing to give to him about the direction of your life. But I'm inviting you to know that the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And right now, would you incline your face toward the God who says, I will give you direct contact with me. I will pour my glory into your life. And would you present yourself even now as I speak on our behalf? We declare that Jesus Christ is the cleanser of our souls, the sacrifice that pays for our sins, the one that takes away the blockage so that we can be so bold as to stand directly in your presence without fear. We have stood together now, and among us in this group of people are those who would say to you, I don't know you, I don't want to, be close to you there's some in your presence right now who would say that i pray on their behalf that you in your grace and your mercy would show them the freedom that they're missing the grace that is being you're willing to give and allow them to go ahead and see that veil removed by coming to your son and presenting themselves fully to you for those of us who know him we are here to present ourselves we declare that you are Your son is the superior way. The wholeness of who you are is given to us because of him. And now, we want to join with what the scripture says and say, would you show us your glory? Would you reveal your fullness of who you are so that we can become transformed into your likeness? Would you help us recognize what we would leave behind as a result of that exposure? And would you give us a wholeness and a fullness that comes just because we have been basked in the holiness of the Most High God. Let yourself penetrate and radiate our souls so that we are a little bit more like your son today than we were before. And then bring glory to yourself by manifesting yourself in our lives. God, help us to know you. Help us to be directly in contact with you and then do what you will by your glory in our souls. We praise you that we stand here because of and in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.